0: Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung.
1: Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Thank you for joining us. Last week, we had Josh and Sydney Phipps call in from... Texas, and they're both around 30 years of age, married, and Josh had shared his story growing up that included a lot of physical abuse, emotional abuse, getting involved with pornography, and how that was playing into damaging their marriage. And so today, we're going to continue that conversation with Josh and Sydney. So my friends, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having
2: us. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here.
1: So, Sydney, we're going to start with, with you this week, and uh, let's go ahead and have you start sharing your story.
3: All right. So, if you know the stats for female porn addicts, um, you wouldn't know it based off who's all around you, uh, but the stats are there. If you go to the website, you can find that there are so many women who are actually addicted, and I'm sad to say I am a statistic, um, or at least I was, and ironically, this all happened back in the 90s which i cannot believe that i've questioned why this would have been my story until the last five to ten years It's all started to make sense in the world that we live in and the age that we live in um so when i say that i was exposed to porn at age five uh that used to even shock me to say out loud like i cannot believe that i was watching porn when i was five Um, I was born in 92, so you can do math um, pretty early to where the Internet wasn't even up and running, really. Um, So I found porn on a VHS tape in my Disney collection. I was just a normal kid up until that point, went to elementary school, looked forward to birthdays, all the things. And then all of a sudden, at age five, I popped in the wrong VHS. I remember it was unmarked and started watching this material. Um, I know at the time I had no clue what it was. Of course, my parents hadn't had this sex talk with me or anything at that age. I don't know what parent would. Um, and then another strange event that took place completely separate from that within the same year was I ended up in the back room with a girl cousin of mine that uh, started out acting out porn on me. And, I remember relating the two events in my mind as a child. As a child, you don't have the words or the, just the psychology to even understand any of it. But I remember looking back, I can see, oh, wow, like, truly, there this must have been an act of Satan or just brokenness in the world to to come at me so strong this early in life, especially when the internet didn't exist. And so, uh, yeah, exposed to age five. And I'll tell you, I was addicted for the next 11 years, um, age five to 16. And if you heard Josh's story, you heard we started dating at 16. So I was pretty radically saved at 16 and then started dating Josh from that point. So, so didn't
1: I'm going to work all the, way. About uh-huh. the About the video, was that mom or dad's then?
3: So my parents are very tight-lipped. Um, you'll find out that we grew up very sheltered almost too sheltered to the point to where I was pretty unprepared for adulthood um I, I had to go get a job like secretly so that my parents wouldn't get angry I was 18 when I got my first job because I, I was ready to break out um meanwhile they didn't know about all of this addiction stuff until much later so we'll work back but I'm I'm I've asked and I don't have answers in that area I there was a family member living with us at the time and it could have been that person I'm really not sure. Mm. I've questioned that myself. It's an unanswered question in my story, but I have total peace and healing now to where I find that it's a detail that I don't quite need to know. Um, but also my mother, if you know, romance books were very popular in the nineties. And I also found those under my parents' bed and I ended up, Reading those as well, so there I was just surrounded on all fronts by this stuff. I don't think there was any way I could have found a way out. Looking back, I'm just like, man, I had no chance. (laughs) Um, Especially because we weren't in church. My parents were raised Christian; they were good people. My dad was in a gospel quartet, but somewhere along the way, I think jobs and finances um, kind of just take their toll on a couple. And for whatever reason, they didn't have us in church and but porn porn had me porn had my ear gates and my eye gates and i remember in second grade i had what they called these sad attacks like my mom would call them sad attacks and my teacher would call them that like oh Sydney just randomly cries for no reason and we don't know why and i remember thinking like why do i cry this is so frustrating like as a kid it was so embarrassing i remember i i'm i was born near christmas three days before christmas so it was a Christmas party combined with my birthday. I was turning eight years old and I sat in the corner of the classroom watching all of my classmates play with the goodie bags that I had brought and they were all having fun and I was just sitting there in despair crying and I just I always wrestled like what is wrong with me um, all the while I was still watching porn and looking back now I can make that connection that uh, my poor little soul had no clue what I was dealing with. I was probably being hit with dopamine. I'm guessing um, maybe you could shine some light on that. I've never gone to therapy for any of this. I feel like the Lord brought us through a lot of healing without it. But um, I I truly know that as a child, I was really wrestling and I didn't know who God was. And that was the missing piece. Um, And so fast forward, the more I watched porn, the more I wanted to Eventually acted out. Like I was like, okay, I've watched enough of this now. I my dad's not super involved with our life. Like he was very busy. He worked a lot. Uh, We lived in an affluent area. He had to make good money, and so we always had what we needed. We had a great life, no abuse, um, just a a solid family unit that looked great on paper. But the porn addiction was a big, a big elephant in the room that no one knew about. And so, uh, I started reaching out to guys. When I got a cell phone, let's see, I had to be about 14. Um, oh, and then the internet came by then. So yeah, I was. I think I lost the VHS tape. VCRs weren't even a thing anymore, but I just found it on the internet along the way. Um, because, like Josh said, it it was normal for our parents to just give us computers and phones because we were in this new tech age and it was exciting and everybody was getting tech. Well, um, I I knew what to do with tech. I knew to go look for porn. So that's what I did. My brain was very warped, I think, at that time. And uh, I remember there were kids in school that would do things like touch themselves or show us things or say things. And I always remember thinking like, man, my parents haven't had the sex talk with me, but I think you're doing what I'm watching at home. Like I I was always making connections, looking for sensuality and sexuality along the way. Um, And then yeah, come high school, that's when it kind of all let loose. Like I had my parents. I at this point I'd become a very good liar, like a pathological liar. Sometimes I didn't even know which web I had wound. I, like I said, not a believer. No, no inkling of Jesus. Um, and I, I would, I would have my parents like hand deliver me to these meetings of guys that I was like arranging on dating websites and stuff. And again, this is early with the internet, so the fact that sin will just take you. To far places. I was not driving my own life. Um, I, I truly feel like I was just being driven by urges. And like the Bible says, like there were scales on my eyes. I, 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 Looking back now, I can just see the veil truly is lifted. The scales are off my eyes. I feel so free now. And so a big pivotal point for me was my uncle uh, that was close to us started withering away due to cancer, and I saw this man go from being like a six-foot-five, tall, handsome, strong man of God in our family to this withering, uh, looked like a death camp survivor, like he was dying. If you've heard of a death rattle when someone's passing away, um, his lungs were filling with fluid, and they had us all come say bye to him. Um, And I'd never heard God, I'd never thought of God really up until this point, when I squeezed his very thin hand and I I said, I love you. Um, Bye. I didn't know what I was saying, but I said, bye, like all the other family members did. And then I felt like I heard a voice say, what are you doing? And I I didn't know where it came from. And I just thought, man, uh, what am I doing? Like this man's dying. And here I am being a, a despicable person who's miserable, who's obsessed with how they look. Um, Because at this point, I just wanted to model porn. Like I wanted to be the women in those videos. I wanted to be highly desired. I had daddy issues, all those things. And then a big point where it all came crashing down was my, we all had to go to West Texas for my uncle's memorial service after he passed away. And I used a dating website to arrange a meeting with a guy out in West Texas on the occasion of the funeral. So it's like my warped mind was, was taking any opportunity for new territory. And uh, my parents found out. They found this call from this guy who was soliciting me. And they were like, what are you doing? And they're clueless at this point. They are clueless. They had started putting us in church a little bit, so they thought youth group was taking care of it. But they were clueless and devastated. And uh, we got through the funeral. As you can imagine, they were devastated that my dad's brother had passed away too. So there's grieving. And then also their daughter is this promiscuous mess that they didn't even know about. And my dad ended up finding out everything. I had this whole paper trail on MySpace that he went through my entire MySpace and found all the porn websites. He never addressed the porn with me. He did address my promiscuity, however, and um, we're Hispanic. So he just said something in Spanish that means, have you no shame? Like you have no shame. I can't believe you're behaving this way. Um, meanwhile, I had not been, I, I feel like I had not been directed. They had no clue that I had, what was it? Yeah. 11 years of porn addiction under my belt at that point And so many other actions that, um, and they still don't know some of that to this day. I don't want to break their heart, but, <laughs> mm. um, so that whole time came and it was such a blessing because I felt like I had been searching for freedom my whole life and, and there was a moment where my dad had me kind of in purgatory, like he had me in this in-between spot where he was like, I'm going to send you to boot camp because of all of this. And so I was in this space in between where I was like, oh, no, am I going to go to boot camp? I don't know. So I was, I was sitting in my bedroom grounded from all media, all makeup, all basically, I could only wear jeans and T-shirts. He like took everything away. And I there was a Bible and I picked up the Bible and I flipped to Proverbs 12:19. I had never read the Bible before. And I flipped to Proverbs, and it said, "Truth will stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed." And it leapt off the page; it lit me on fire in that moment. And that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have been a liar my whole existence. I've been hunting since I was a child." But truth stands the test of time, and it just—I just felt the Lord's love for the first time in that. Not that I even knew the Lord; I felt something. It felt—it felt like freedom, and from that point, my dad decided not to send me to boot camp, which was such a blessing. And he said that I needed to go to church. And so they started putting us in church every single Sunday. It changed my life. I was the only one in the entire youth group of 60 cool kids who were all Christians for a long time. They all knew the Bible characters. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but they asked if people wanted to share their testimony. And I was the only one who shared, which was crazy to me. And I felt like the Lord showed me in that moment, like, Sydney, I will use you if you if you will let me. And I, I just felt, I always felt like I heard the voice of a father. And um, from that point of reading Proverbs 12, 19, and a key detail that I forgot, at the memorial, at the funeral for my uncle, I had a distant uncle who I'd never met before come up to me and give me a word of knowledge. And this is where it really shook me. He said, mija, um, like I said, we're Hispanic. So he said, mija, you're doing so many things that your parents don't know about, but God sees you and God loves you. And he like took my hands and he told me how much God loved me. And I remember I felt like I was standing on holy ground. And I, I, again, I was wretched. I was disgusting. I I hated everything I was doing. And yet this man was standing here telling me that God loved me and i had never met him. And so that meant so much to me. And I've always felt like the Lord speaks like that. Like I've never questioned if the Lord can speak to you. Now, having been on the other side of all of this. Um, and so. So let me um, ask, when you, when you yeah. shared
1: in front of those 60 kids, how did they yeah. respond to your story?
3: Um, so the kids didn't really respond, but the adults did. There were so many youth leaders and adults in the room. I remember this one dad was just shaking his head and like wiping tears out of his eyes and like came up and like patted me on the back and was like, man, good job. Thanks for sharing. And But none of the kids addressed it with me. Um, I think it was a little too much. I didn't know how to be a Christian. So I was just like, oh, this is normal Christianity. You tell everyone what Jesus did. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so free now. And I didn't learn religion, I guess. I had never had a chance to learn religion, which I'm so thankful for because I've heard so many people say that they need to unlearn things. I feel like, um, thankfully, it's never been that way for me. Uh, if anything, I, now I, if, if people know me, Josh knows too, it's kind of painful how much of a truth teller I am now because of that, that flip, which I guess. Um, and so, yeah, the kids didn't really, I, I wasn't cool. so <laughs> I don't think they wanted to talk to me from that point. But quickly after that, I met Josh or I, I didn't meet Josh. We started dating. I met Josh in fourth grade. And so um, we started dating. And again, like Josh said, we were very sexual um, because of the porn. And it's like I was saved from that point, radically saved. But there was this, Lingering lack of discipleship, I guess. I don't. I again, you know, you've heard the story. Eleven years of addiction. I, there's like a brain healing process that I think has to happen. That no one walked anyone through at the time. Um, I just was. Once I was lost, now I was found, and then also I was a sheep that kept leaving the flock, or something. If I if I had a picture. Um, so yeah, but I truly think that. And this is not biblical in any way, but I'm thankful that I met Josh and started dating Josh at such an early age because I truly think it saved me from so much more promiscuity down the line. Because I, I was so warped mentally. I was always still looking for attention, um, but I always still had that relationship with Jesus. So I always had that repentant heart as well. Like we would, um, we would sin. We would do the wrong thing and then we would immediately say like we've got to stop this like we cannot do this anymore to the point to where we got married pretty early in life to prevent that guilt and shame and we finally felt like we were walking in the right way but we still had so many years of porn addiction under our belt that we we walked through all of the hardship together of healing from that um so let's see in our marriage um, I feel like I have a unique perspective as a wife because I also know the grip that addiction can have on somebody. Um, I, I don't just look at Josh and think, you're so disgusting. How could you ever do this? Why can't you just stop? Um, I, knew, I knew the depth of how hard it was going to be for him to break out, and I knew that we couldn't do it alone. And that's why in Josh's story you heard us reach out to Dustin because there was no handling this on my own, just like I couldn't have broken out of that addiction on my own either. My dad cracked down and I'm so thankful. And I've told him that I'm so thankful that you took your parenting seriously at the time and locked everything down because an addict, they have no self-control. I had zero self-control and I had no discipleship. So there was no higher power leading me to anything. I truly just needed to be handcuffed from this stuff for a time. And I think that's ultimately what led to my healing, and I think it's ultimately what led to Josh's healing as well. Because I became, I followed that example, and then I was like, you know what? We've just got to lock all of this down, and we did for a time. And it allows the brain and the neural pathways to heal. And to there's a spiritual side to it as well. We tried deliverance and inner healing and all of these things, and I think it's all a collective effort. But I I truly feel like the distancing yourself from it. And now to this point, we're not religious about it, but we don't watch shows that have any bit of promiscuity. We don't consume music. We don't consume anything with sensuality because we come from that. It's just, it's an area like how alcoholics, there's some of them just have to be sober the rest of their life. They can't even have a, a, a small drink at a gathering. Um, for us, we we can't consume anything that is very sensual because it, it's part of where we came from. Um And we don't have shame about that. We talk about it openly to tell people, hey, it's okay.
1: <laughs> well, stopping right here for a second, what you said about not consuming any media with promiscuity, why would any believer think it's okay to look at that in the first place, porn addiction or not? <laughs> you know, if you're watching a movie where it's got other people undressing or having sex, because we're not, we're supposed to be you should be holy, for I am holy, right? So I love the things you're saying. And then another thing that came to me is you went from, you know, early exposure and at age five and given a phone, and kids are getting phones now at age three to locking everything down. I mean, the things you're saying, I think a lot of us need to hear that, you know, the door. We need to shut the doors on this stuff because it's very damaging. So I love, I love where you're going with it.
3: Yeah, I don't think I would have stood a chance Uh, if if my if there was no intervention, I could still have that problem to this day. Honestly, Um, I think it and we found the people around us who have found healing from porn addiction. There's always this time of complete and total. Not the word fasting, but you've got to you've got to get away. You've got to heal the mind, whatever is lovely, whatever is good. You've got to focus on those things um, because your mind has been focusing on what's easy and what is stimulating. And um, I think dopamine is just the drug of the age and it's more damaging than, (laughs) I mean, because like cocaine, not everyone has access to cocaine just every day on a whim, but our phones and devices, I mean, we're surrounded.
1: Mm. Well, the other thing that really stuck with me is when you said you shared in front of the youth group of 60 and they said, or you said nobody had said a word and that you hadn't learned not to do that yet, what came to my mind was you were doing church the right way and quote unquote, you hadn't learned yet not to do church the wrong way, which is everybody covers up their sin. And that's what's got the church in so much trouble.
3: Right, right, and we we feel like this is a time, like, I guess, prophetically, just in this age that we're in now, like, thankfully, with movies like The Sound of Freedom coming out, that the Lord really wants to do an uncovering work, like a great revealing of just, for purity's sake, and not purity the way that people think of the purity movement, where they were hurt by it, and they were told abstinence, 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 like, I know there's so many people who've come hurt out of that, but I mean purity for, like, oh my gosh, the Bride of Christ, the beautiful white purity of just being close to Him and having nothing hidden and no shame and total light. And um, just going back to my testimony, there was a presence that I felt the night that I read Proverbs twelve nineteen. This is what ultimately got me saved. So I didn't give my life to Christ at church. There was no altar call. I was in my bedroom after reading that verse, and I felt a dark presence that night in my bedroom. Um, like at the foot of my bed. I can't explain it. I have a mental picture that I can't quite describe, but it was so real to me for the first time because I'd never felt anything spiritual really before. Like I said, I was a porn addict um, and a liar. But that night I felt this heavy darkness and I got scared. And I kind of put my blankets over my head and thought, this isn't working, like nothing's working. And then I said, God, I said this out loud, God, if you're real, I want to do this. And then i I completely felt just peace and flooded with light. I felt like Jesus like walked the halls of my home and like cleansed every I don't know I can't explain it. It was just this total feeling of peace, and I just knew in that time I was like this is this is who you are. this is what I've been waiting for my whole life is this this light, this purity, this not hiding and running and tangled webs of lies, um, just total abandonment to 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 grace and yeah, it's who he is, and I feel like he just wants to do that in all of our lives every day.
1: Um, well, we're old di- and new believers. <clears throat> well, this has been great. We're down to about the last thirty seconds, Josh. We're going to finish with you. Twenty, take twenty seconds. Share anything you want.
2: Yeah, I would say God wants your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Sydney was just talking about it. He's a jealous God, and. If you don't fess up to your porn addiction, you're going to get caught because God loves you too much to leave you in your sin. And so I would admonish you to fess up, come clean to a Christian brother or sister, and then come clean to your spouse, because the only way um, to overcome this is to is to go through it. The only way to overcome this is, is to do it with your spouse and with your Christian brothers and sisters. You can't do it alone. Breathe in the light. And, yeah, darkness makes the light. And so the light is what uh, the light is what you need. And it feels so much better. On the other end, it um, feels the freedom that you feel from confessing your sin. It's going to be painful. It's going to be uh, the beginning of a very hard season of your life, maybe one of the hardest seasons you've ever been through.
1: Well, my friends, we're out of time. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.
0: Do you want to be free? Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. This program was sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries.